You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh oh, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, Station One listeners, and welcome to another episode. The Force is strong with this one when we are going to a galaxy far, far away, and we are looking at the miniseries of Obi-Wan. Well, we don't know if it's really a miniseries or if it's going to be just the first season. They haven't said yet, but it was had a beginning, it had a close. So, you know, it could end very happily here and go right into A New Hope. They introduced a, a whole world of very strange and interesting characters, just like my co-host here, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy! How are you? Is this, the, strong, the force is strong on this one. We might have to call the Inquisitors for this. <laughs> I, uh, I don't have a bad feeling about this. It's going to be very interesting to talk all about Obi-Wan, and, you know, I know you liked it. I know Ashley liked it. And it'll be very interesting to see what our friend, the odd man, is joining us tonight. So it should be very interesting to see what we're, it's what we're going to think about this one. And you know what? We definitely would love to hear what you have to say about it. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. It'd be great if you, you know, let us know. We would definitely love to hear from you. And while you're at it, if you haven't subscribed to Earth Station 1 yet, please do. We could... Uh, be found wherever fine podcasts are found. We're up there with, you know, Apple. We're up there with Google. We're up there with Pandora. We're on TuneIn Radio, on Amazon. You name it, we're there. And you know what? Please subscribe. We would love it. We would appreciate it. And you know what? As we like to say in a lot of ways, you know, we do this for you. So it's a good thing. And while we're at it also, let's say howdy to our friends over at Patreon. We haven't talked about them for a couple of weeks. And you know what? Our Patreon folks are there, and they're getting a little weird. That's right. The folks over at the ESO Board Silly podcast uh, actually got to talk all about Weird Al Yankovic this time. And it's available only exclusive to our ESO patrons. It's kind of cool that, you know, we got to talk about the weird one who actually is touring the country right now in his, well, it's not an unplugged, but it's a stripped down tour. And we talk all about it. And we talk about our first time we were introduced to him and everything. And you too can experience that too for as little as 25 cents a week. Not too shabby, folks. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network and your help could help bring power to the station and you know what we do appreciate all our patrons and we have a big thank you for them and for the rest of you why aren't you doing it we really would love you guys to do it also but you know what you get exclusive material you get shows early and you know what you get pretty cool swag including the eso window sticker and you know what it's kind of cool stuff there so def definitely check it out eso network Patreon at patreon.com slash ESO Network. Speaking of other cool stuff, 
It's time for summer. Antiphosy Optics is here. The heat is here, but so is the sun. And you know what? If you need to be blocking from the sun, no better way to do it than Tifosi Optical. Tifosi Optical has some amazing pairs of sunglasses and at a reasonable price, folks. And especially as a way to say thank you, making it even cheaper to you. You have a coupon code of EarthStation1. Gives you 10% off your whole order. Just not one pair of the of glasses. It's your whole order. Pretty cool stuff, folks. TifosiOptics.com. Check it out. And now we're here with new friend of the show. Welcome, podcaster Hollywood Wade. Welcome to Earth Station One, my friend. How you doing, my friend? Nice to be here. Pleasure. pleasure. Yes, welcome to the station. Um, for those people who may not be familiar with uh, you and your work, what do you do? Well, uh, as far as the podcast goes, I run a podcast called Crime and Entertainment. And uh, kind of how I mixed those two was, you know, believe it or not, two years ago, I didn't even listen to podcasts. And uh, probably during the pandemic, like a lot of us were, you know, we had a lot of free time. And I was watching like a uh, murder mystery type documentary. And they had someone on there they were interviewing that done a podcast specifically about this particular, you know, murder mystery. And so I wanted to know more about it. So I kind of went to that podcast, binged it. And that kind of sent me down the rabbit hole, so ah, to speak. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, don't get me wrong, I listen to a Rogan every now and then, but as far as just like listening to shows, I just never did do it. Well, once that started, you know, that led into the true crime and, and other podcasts that I listened to. And, you know, I was like, you know, I like this. And, you know, I always felt kind of like I had a gift for Gab. So I started one and I was going to do true crime, but then I got to looking and the market is just so saturated with true crime podcasts and great ones. You know, that's not to knock anyone that's doing it by any means, but there's just a lot of them. And I felt like to be noticed in that it was going to take a lot of work. I was new to it. I didn't know a lot about it. I've had to learn a lot on the fly. So I just kind of added that entertainment aspect on there because that opened the door to really anybody that I could talk to. And since the show started, man, I was going to, you know, originally just come up with topics on my own and it's bloomed into me being able to do interviews. I've really done interviews now for probably the last six, eight months. Um, I've got enough saved up to finish out the year and I've interviewed everyone from actors to from TVs, movie, former adult film stars, uh, wrestlers, authors, uh, drug smugglers, drug kingpins, ex-mob guys, cops, former ATF agents, undercover FBI agents, um, and anywhere in between. So that crime and, and entertainment twist really puts it out there to where I can have a whole slew of, of different people on the show. And that's kind of what I do. There's something for everybody on that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that's certainly, um, I mean, like yourself, I mean, certainly during the pandemic, I think it's, it, 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 True crime has blossomed on all the streaming services. Oh yeah, uh, whether it's um, actual like documentary, docu series, or even um, recreations of events, true events. Mm-hmm. Um, how were you always interested in in sort of real crime or true crime stories, or is that something that just recently happened as well? Um, I mean, definitely, you know, always kind of had a peaked interest in it. Um, you know, with the the more 
like you said, popularity of the, you know, TV series like Making a Murderer and Staircase and stuff like that with Netflix and, and stuff like that. A lot of it, I think, became a lot more accessible to people. Whereas before you might really have to maybe use your DVR to find them on certain channels at certain times. Now it just seems like it's everywhere, everywhere you look. Um, you know, and I've always been a fan of, of movies and mob movies and mystery movies and, and stuff like that too. So it was just really like a natural fit. I was always that type of guy that, when I watched a movie immediately after I watched the movie, I would rewatch it with the uh, commentary track with the director and actor or whoever, you know, would do a commentary track to listen to, you know, how they filmed it, what, what kind of problems they run into, you know, who was almost cast here, you know, just different things. And then I would go and actually see if there was a, you know, a documentary about it or go to the IMDB page. And that's like immediately what I do now. It's almost like, you know, checking a car fax you know when i watch a movie <laughs> even if it's something that i've already seen i'll go to imdb and just go to the trivia on it and look through and just see the facts and stuff like that and, and believe it or not that's how i come up with some of the questions for some guests on my show uh i had a guy named dan grimaldi on and he was in the show real popular the sopranos you mm-hmm. know one of hbo's top shows i think one time somebody rated it the most popular tv show ever has got my vote for that but he was in there from like season two all the way to the final um you know he hadn't done a ton of stuff but he had acted and his first acting movie was in a horror movie called don't go in the house and the premise of that movie was he was abused as a child and he would basically kidnap these women take them to this room in the bottom of the basement and then burn them with a flamethrower well when he was burning them he would wear the suit and I read in the IMDb suit that said Dan Grimaldi asked to keep the suit after the shooting. So when we were doing the interview, I said, did you really keep the suit? And he just busted out laughing. He was like, how did you know that? You know, how did you know I kept that suit? And I didn't tell him. I just read it off IMDb. But he was just like, who told you that? I mean, he was just going on and on. But he said, yeah, I kept it until I realized it was, you know, had asbestos in it. And he said, once I realized that was bad for you, I had to get rid of it. But, you know, just doing things like that, doing your due diligence on on somebody you're interviewing, trying to come up with questions that, you know, haven't been asked a thousand times. I've had some guests on my shows that are, you know, really popular and they've been on a lot of podcasts. So a lot of what I do in prep, is I'll find, you know, other podcasts that people have done and I'll listen to them throughout the week. And then I try to bring some, some of the questions you have to ask to get a base because not everybody, you know, may know about them, but then I try to throw different stuff at them, you know, just to get a different, you know, kind of take on the interview. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Your um, attraction is sort of criminal stories. Is that like just mainly a present day thing or you like, do you like, uh, cause I know, I mean, Look, I mean, a lot of people look at this sort of thing and think it's a new trend, but we've been we've been dying and enjoying criminal stories for as long as I think that at least this country's been around. Right. Because we like outlaws, Billy the Kid, that kind of thing. Bonnie and Clyde, like throughout history, that seems like there's always sort of these criminals that become celebrities. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, that kind of thing's always enamored me of, you know, these people are labeled as outlaws. You know, like you said, all the way back to, you know, Billy the Kid and Bonnie and Clyde, but then, you know, the, the old school mob guys like Lucky Luciano, I mean, they helped, you know, with World War II because those guys controlled the ports. That was actually how he got out of prison. They, what the deal with that he cut was he had to get exiled to Italy. Um, but he, you know, and there's rumors that JFK was talking with Sam Giancana about trying to take out, uh, 
uh, Castro because he went over there in Cuba and tore down all their casinos and the mobs was making millions over there. So, you know, they're working hand in hand with the government on some things, even though the government tried to, you know, take them all down with the RICO Act. But they, they have that criminal aspect, but then also they're really intertwined into, you know, pop culture and history with things like that. And, and I think all those movies, they're, they're synonymous and, and great for reasons like Martin Scorsese, one of the best ones to, to ever do it, be it mob movie or any other movie, mm-hmm. but put out greats like Casino and Goodfellas. And then recently the Irishman, um, which was fantastic, kind of a, maybe a last hurrah for some of those guys that are getting up in age a little bit. I don't know if you guys seen that, but that was really good. Um, there's a reason that those movies have such a good following. And I think that's because, you know, not exactly, not everybody's cut out to be in that type of life, but I think everybody, you know, can sit there and think, God, how cool would that be to be able to, you know, just not the, not the horror part of it, not the killing and the shooting, but just to be able to walk in the Copacabana in the mid seventy or, you know, mid seventies, eighties, not have to wait in line, just go straight down, get a table, you know, wine and dine with Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. I mean, you know, what what a life, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you find that, um, a, I mean, you mentioned Scorsese, and of course he's like the king when it comes to a lot of those, uh, certainly the mob movies, for sure. Um, but do you find that, you know, looking at the real-life stories, reading about them, watching the documentaries, and then as opposed to seeing uh, the adaptations of them, either in film or on, on streaming services now, um, that they really um, sort of, un- um, they don't have to, but they do sort of embellish a lot more than they, maybe they need to? Yes. Um, and that's actually something that I've got a project I'm working on, so you're kind of getting a, an exclusive on this. Ooh. I'm launching a show called behind the gangster. And basically what that's going to do is kind of just like what you said, portray somebody's I get in contact with somebody that was real close to who was portrayed on screen. And we talk about the differences of who they were on screen to who they were in real life. And we're going to chronicle some people. Uh, We've already shot the first episode. It's in the can. Um, And yes, they do take liberties in certain things. Um, For instance, we'll go with, with Goodfellas. Uh, Tommy D. Simone, who, uh, Joe Pesci played and played it brilliantly, uh, was a complete opposite of him. He was like six foot something, you know, real tall guy, big. And, you know, Joe Pesci's obviously a, a smaller guy. Now, Goodfellas is probably out of the, all the mob movies, that's probably one of the most truer ones to, to form, except for the fact that Henry Hill maybe wasn't quite at the level he portrayed. Everyone else and everything else was probably, pretty close to accurate. He wasn't quite as high up as that movie made him seem. And that's come from a number of people that I've talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the movie casino, obviously there's that brutal scene at the end where Pesci and his brother get beat to death in a cornfield um, that actually took place at a house in Chicago or I'm not sure if it was Chicago, but I know it took place at a house and then they were transferred to a, a field later on. So they do take liberties. Um, you know, we mentioned the Irishman, which, uh, Scorsese did. A lot of people say that that guy, Frank Sharon, uh, was a compulsive liar and he didn't do half the stuff that he claimed. Um, you know, obviously I wasn't around, so I can't say yay or nay, <laughs> but a lot of people say that he's a big BS artist if you will. So a lot of people take liberties with that movie that he did not kill Joe Gallo, that he did not kill Jimmy Hoffa. I mean, he was tight with Hoffa. That was a known fact, 
but they a lot of people said that he was he he embellished that quite a bit his relationship with uh, some of the higher up guys so mm-hmm. they do take a, they do take liberties um i think uh you know just for the hollywood sake i don't know if you ever seen the movie uh white boy rick that had matthew mcconaughey in it i've heard of it i've not seen that one okay so it's about a a young white kid like 16 years old and he just was they made him out to be like the king of detroit in the drug game. Uh-huh. And, you know, not to bring in race too much to it, but I interviewed the guy, Johnny Curry, who was kind of the guy that brought him into the game. Now, Johnny Curry was married to the mayor's niece of Detroit. The mayor at that time, was his name was Coleman Young. He was married to his uh, his niece. So Johnny kind of put Rick in place. And then when Johnny went to jail, that's when Rick kind of rose up. But he said, he told me, he's like, wait, he said, look, this is not racist whatsoever. But he said, how much do you believe that a 16-year-old white kid was running things in Detroit? He's like, that's just, he said, that's not even, you know, logical, to be quite honest with you, no matter how much protection he had. And he said he had protection because me and my brother, Leo, brought him in. And, you know, it's true. And he wasn't, he was definitely a player, but I don't think he was the player that the movie made him out to be so that's just things that you know you have to take with a grain of salt with hollywood they're going to put their spin on things and being able to talk with people in the real life situation is definitely eye-opening when you hear the real things and how it really went down right right and plus the opposite is true right there's many times where i'm familiar with where fiction is uh you know or real life is stranger than fiction. There's a lot of instances where they have to tone things down or, yeah. uh, you know, there's stuff that happens in real life that you're just like, man, you, you couldn't put this out there because no one would believe it. Yeah. Or it might be too violent or too graphic when you're dealing with, you know, some of those types of movies for sure. I mean, you know, obviously we're kind of limited to what we can put on screen nowadays with all the screenings and, you know, you, you might upset a certain set of folks. So you got to be careful with that. And, and that's definitely a problem that you could run into because some of these guys are brutal guys. And, and the gist, you know, when I talk to all these guys, they say that, you know, they enjoyed the life for a, a small sliver, but at the end of the day that they would not do it over again because it, you know, the higher, the whole point of you joining in something like that is to rise up the ranks, but the higher in the rank you go, the more of a target you become to either a be killed or b go to jail, you know, so there's not really a good ending, you know, it's either death or prison. And I don't think, I don't want either one of those right now. I got stuff to do tomorrow. So, you know, <laughs> that's the, and all those guys pretty much say that that's, you know, if they had it to do over again, they would not because it's not a life that they would tell one to, to go to and, and to try to lead, especially nowadays is, is almost impossible, uh, you know, with, with stuff that they have now. I mean, everybody's got a camera. You got to think back in those days, these guys were hijacking trucks and there wasn't any way to monitor that sort of thing. But now, I mean, you know, everybody's got a camera. You can't, you know, jaywalk nowadays without it being on Facebook. So nowadays it would be almost impossible for somebody to do some of that stuff. Wait, what, what do you think is the, what, what, what's the attraction? What, what you, what's the attraction for you with uh, finding out more about these, these, characters and their stories um well I, like i said i've always just been enamored with these stories and not even mob stories like there was a show that used to be on years ago and i'm talking probably 10 plus years ago and i forgot the network but it was called masterminds and even though it was called masterminds these guys would pull off these big plans heist be it bank robberies or or whatever the case may be you know drug smuggles and it would go off perfect but one little small thing 
would cause it to fall apart. And when I started this, I remembered that show. And I remember there was a guy named Brian O'Day that smuggled in like 50 tons of pot on a fishing boat, um, you know, portraying themselves as fishermen. And I reached out to him and I found him on uh, Instagram. And I was like, hey, are you Brian O'Day from, you know, this this show? And he's like, yep, that's me. I said, look, I've got your book. I bought it like 10 years ago. Um, I remember your show. I said, I just started a podcast. I said, I'd be honored if you would be, you know, on the show. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, if you make a, a donation at any shelter for a recovering addict, he said, I don't care for how much. He said, it can be $5. He said, I'll do your show. Nice. And I was like, well, that's, you know, that's good in my book. And he came on and he told his story. And I mean, it was so you, when you do these po- types of podcasts and mine generally lasts for about an hour or some a little longer, you get to find out a little more than just what they show you on that TV show, you know? So there, there was more to him than just that one major drug deal. And, you know, obviously things led up to it and that was a part of the story and it was amazing and cunning the way he did it and the way he pulled it off. But people that are just involved in that type of thing, I mean, the risks you take, the the nerve that you have to have. Um, in his case, he was actually being watched when he would, did that move. Um, he knew that he was being watched, so that was to his advantage. And so it was kind of a situation was he knew, but they didn't know that he knew. <laughs> so the, they were thinking they was going to go in one boat. He sent that boat over early and had it coming back. Well, while it was coming back, they were following that one, and he was coming in another boat that he had bought unbeknownst to them loaded up all the pot and was able to get it back successfully. Um, he later on got snitched out and that's how he got arrested by a guy in the group, but he pulled off the caper. Perfect. And it's just how people can pull off those types of things that are just, you know, fascinating to me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mike, now that we know what, uh, what he's into, let's find out how, what he's really passionate about. I think it's time for, for the geek seat, my friend. Uh, you think so? Cause, you know, Wade, you know, has all these conspiracy theories and all these true crime things going on. He might think this is a conspiracy against him that, you know, since as we tie him up to be in the geek seat, you know, it might be fairly well, tight. Well, you, you, you might be right. Yeah, it's all a so. conspiracy. <laughs> it's all a conspiracy. Or it could be a true crime. You never know. All right, Wade, what was your favorite geek out moment? Probably interviewing Tom Sizemore. Oh, really? Awesome yeah. guy. Awesome oh, guy. Awesome guy. Awesome story. Very candid about all of his struggles and been in some of my favorite movies like Heat and Natural Born Killers. Um, you know, it took me a minute to kind of collect myself and, and realize that I'm actually interviewing this guy. And I had to not just, you know, be a fan. I had to actually do my job as an interviewer, um, and, and get the whole story. But that was very cool, you know, seeing that guy on some of the biggest movies ever, like Saving Private Ryan, Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. Um, just work, we work with the greats, Michael Mann, Steven Spielberg. I mean, you know, Oliver Stone. I mean, you name him, he's worked with him. And it's pretty awesome, doing, actually. Yeah, it was it was very surreal to be quite honest. That's very cool. But um, what was your most disappointing geek out moment, though? Ooh, um, I, I'd prefer not to say his name because he scares me. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I'll say that he portrayed a horror villain in a movie that's had quite a number of sequels, and he was only in a few of them. But I interviewed him, and it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It was very disappointing, and I think I asked two questions in about an hour and 45 minutes, and it was just a lot of incoherent rambling, 
And I'm scared that if I was mentioning his name, he may come to my house and maybe do unsavory things to me in front of my children. So I, nope. Nope. it was definitely an experience, but I'm not going to mention his name. Mom is the word. Okay. Okay. At least it wasn't Steve, so it's okay. You know, no, it's a good no. thing. No. Okay. Good. What geeks you out the most? Honestly, just doing this, man. Like, I would have never thought years ago that I would be talking to the people that I'm talking to. The people that, I, like I said, 10 years ago, I watched a show on TV about this guy. You know, I watched these people wrestle. Uh, I watched these people act. Uh, I've interviewed like five or six people, I think, from the TV show Sopranos, my most favorite show of all time. I rewatch it like once a year with my wife. She gets a kick out of it now because she's a counselor and she appreciates kind of the scenes with Tony and Melfi and the actual psychiatry part of it. And being able to say that, hey, I interviewed that guy for like an hour and a half. And, hey, I interviewed that guy and that guy and that guy. I mean, it's just it's really surreal that I'm just doing this in general and being able to talk to these people. I mean, it's one thing to do a podcast on a subject you know, like true crime. And that's cool. And if you get notoriety on it, that's great. But to be able to conversate with people that you would have never thought possible any other way, that's just another level. And it's like, it's like, a, I tell my son, I'm like, this is like a, a video version of an autograph that'll never go away. <laughs> nice. Sure. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. What did you think of the new uh, Sopranos movie that they did? It was what I expected. Um, I wasn't expecting a lot, and that's kind of what I thought I got. Um, it had the basis of the characters. It told you some backstory, but knowing David Chase, I knew he wasn't going to go over the top and throw something out there uh, all crazy. So I, I can't say it was the best movie I'd ever seen, but to be hungry for anything Sopranos, it, it satisfied me, but I wasn't full, if that puts it in perspective. No, nope, completely makes sense. That completely yeah. makes I mean, sense. I, I would love for them to have been more. I thought his son did great playing him. Uh, I don't really know if that's ever been done to where a son plays a father like that. I don't know if that's ever been done in film before, but that was the mannerisms that he had down. There was a scene where he was sitting at a table and he was kind of frustrated and he kind of wipes his nose and wipes his chin I mean, it looked just like his father doing that in a lot of those episodes. And it was just, I don't know how, I don't know the experience emotionally that had to be for him. I would love to be able to interview him at some point in time and, and kind of pick his brain on that. Well, I could totally understand that. And I could see you doing it too, dude. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What turns your geek off? Uh, Arrogance, man. Arrogance. You know, I, I feel like everybody no matter who you are, where you are, what you're doing, myself, top-notch actors, Tom Cruise, whatever, president, you got there because of other people. You know, other people believed in you at some point. Other people put you in position. You might have done the work to succeed, but you got to remember that other people gave you breaks. And, you know, I've had people that I've reached out to that, you know, to, to do podcasts. And I understand to a certain extent if you're brand new, and a lot of times people start podcasts, and once they realize how much kind of work goes into it, if you want to put in a good product, you know, they might last a month or two. And then it's just, ah, that's just a little too much for me. So I get people kind of being hesitant of doing one every time they're asked. But when you see somebody that's kind of had some sustainability and you, you, they got a credible resume, I guess, and stuff like that, when they kind of just blow you off 
that kind of turns me, it turns me against some people like that, you know, and don't get me wrong. I've not tried to interview Tom Cruise. I know he's a busy guy. I'm talking more of the guys that, you know, I have a little bit of a free time, you know, and it's like, you know, somebody somewhere gave you a shot. You could be doing that for me. You could be doing that for somebody else. You could be doing this. This, this could open you up for an audience that you don't even know about. You know what I'm saying? Sure. A whole different guy, a whole different genre of people could appreciate you. And I think that's what my show brings is because I have this crime element, but then I've interviewed guys like Larry Hankin, who's one of the best comedic character actors ever, you know, been in Breaking Bad, Home Alone, Seinfeld, Friends. Um, then I go from that to this mob guy, then back over to guys like uh, Stuart Pankin, who was in Fatal Attraction and voiced the Earl, the dinosaur, you know, so th- there's something on my show for everybody. And it may introduce an audience that, you know, maybe doesn't know some of these guys and, and kind of gets everybody involved in what they're doing. So it may bring viewership to them and, and money. Nope. I agree with that completely. And I can't argue with that one, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Fictional character? Yeah. Uh, the Punisher. Really? Yeah. Do tell. Why? I uh, just like what what drove I mean, obviously I, I don't know depending on what movie you watch now I'm going off the Thomas Jane Punisher not necessarily the, the TV show that was just on Netflix but the the drive uh, to, to revenge that you know is is there any other way or is the only thing that you know is revenge you know is it could you set them up to be in jail and not have to, to take them out you know or is it just you got to have blood for blood and eye for an eye you know to pick to pick that brain Nope, totally understand that completely and be interesting. It would be interesting to hear you interview him, actually. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, you got to think like somebody that does something awful to you. If you if you were to take him out and kill him, you know, then it's over. But if you were to set something up to where he went to prison for the rest of his life and he's got to struggle every day and be in that prison and, and live and not being able to live in the free world, is that not worse? Or do you need your pound of flesh because they did what you did to your family? You know what I'm saying? There's there's that fine line, which is worse. Nope, exactly. Which is worse. What fictional character would you not like to meet, though? Ooh. That is a very, very good question. I would have to say... I mean, depending on why I'm meeting it, maybe the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I would probably have to say Spider-Man, and, and I don't know what it is, but that guy just creeps me out. Really? Believe it or not. I, yeah, I'm just, I don't know. That whole Spider-Man thing, I've, I've, not that I'm not a fan, but just that whole thing just kind of creeps me out. The whole Spider-Man thing, it would just it would just really freak me out. Wow. And I know that's weird, and that's an off-topic because he's you know supposedly one of the good guys. But just the the whole backstory of him getting bitten by a spider and all that, and you know, I'm thinking at any time this guy could just go rogue because you don't know what was what that spider gave him. You know, any time he could flip and start working for the other side. So that whole the whole hmm. scenario kind of freaks me out a little bit. Interesting. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Ooh, there is a a saying. In, in The Sopranos, if, if you guys have watched it, and it sounds like you've probably watched a, an episode or two, and I really can't even tell you the basis of it or exactly what it means, but they say it an awful lot, and I've watched that show so much that I, I repeat it 
and I can't even really tell you how to spell it, to be quite honest. But when something happens and it's kind of like they can't believe it or, you know, it's upsetting or whatever, they go, oh, Maron. <laughs> I say that all the time now. And nobody knows what I'm talking about. It's like, what are you talking about? And I'm just like, I really don't even know. But it's just something I say a lot. That would be my favorite geek out. Wow. Okay. That's good. And, and I think I've looked it up and the definition is kind of like, you know, Mother Mary or something that makes you kind of gasp or maybe a version of like, oh, no, or oh, my, something like that. It's just a different way of saying it. But when now somebody says anything like that, that's just kind of like my go-to word. And my wife's adapted to it now that when I'll say she's like, you know, I need you to do this. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just got off work. And so she's adapted to it now. She's like, will you please stop talking like them and go do what I tell you to do? That totally makes sense to me. All right. What is your ideal geek occupation? Ooh. This is making you think. Love. This is trying to make you think, dude. You know? Yeah, yeah, it is, and I like it. Um, you know, and, and none of this is pre-recorded. I don't know any of these questions beforehand, so you got to come off the top with it. Um, I would have always thought I would have been great at being like a, a sports agent or some sort of a consultant, like talent agent or, or something like that. Being the guy that cuts the deals for the talent. Gotcha. So you want to be a Jerry Maguire type character? Yeah, something like that, Jerry Maguire. I don't know if you guys seen that show Ballers. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> had oh, yeah. uh, Dwayne Johnson. Something like that. I could totally see me like thriving in because I would get the I would get the athlete's perspective, but then I would get the business side of it, and I think I would be a guy that could meet in the middle and satisfy the both parties and take my you know whatever it is twenty thirty percent whatever they take. You know, I'm pretty sure it's a, a hefty amount. That would be like my dream job something like that oh that is awesome that is awesome i could see that i could see that almost you almost fit yeah, the I've, you fit the archetype my friend yeah i've always been a wheeler and dealer so you know yeah whatever the case may be i've always just been one of those guys just uh just a hustler you know um just always trying to, to think about the next move. Always, my dad always told me, he said, if you're, if you're satisfied, then that's what you're going to be. You're just going to be satisfied. You're never going to be hungry. And so I kind of always stay on the next thing. Like now I could have very well just, just kept being a welder. But then when this idea popped in my head and I started doing this podcast and I mean, it's, it's taken off and it's, if, if I stopped it tomorrow, I've made memories that, I, none of my other friends have made, you know, none of my other friends have talked to Larry Hankin or, you know, some of these mob guys, or, you know, I interviewed the ex mayor of Las Vegas for God's sakes, a couple months, uh, a couple weeks ago. So nobody, I, if, like I said, if I stop tomorrow, I'm very satisfied at what I've accomplished in this, but I could have not even done it. So I just, I just always keep pressing. Well, that's pretty cool though. That is pretty darn cool. Oh, it's awesome. What geek occupation would you not like to do? Ooh, um, I would not like to be a janitor <laughs> because I've been <laughs> in places that I definitely wouldn't want to be the guy to clean that up. But I, I went to New York uh, a couple weeks ago to do some stuff for the show, and they had this little bar that my buddy had told me to go into, try the food and everything. They said it was good food, you know, a good place to eat. And I went in the bathroom. I'm like, holy God, like there's no, you couldn't pay me enough to come in here and clean this joint. I, I, I left there and went to another place to use the bathroom just because it was so bad. And I'm just like, there's no way. Like, I don't know who's doing that, but they're not getting paid enough. And I don't even know what they were getting paid to begin with, but whatever it was, it wasn't enough. 
Interesting. That's very cool. And that's almost, I think, between that and high tech, that's our number one answer on the show, actually. Yeah. All right, man. Ready for your final question in the geek seat? Shoot it. I'm ready. All right, dude. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? You know, right now, at this point in my life, my ultimate fantasy is to take what I'm doing to the next level and... You know, I don't want to be the next Joe Rogan. I want to be the next Hollywood Wade. Joe Rogan is Joe Rogan. He's got his place in the business, but I want to be that next guy. You know, if everybody said, well, you can't be that guy, why are you doing it? Then what what would we have in this world? You know, there's a lot of different successful movie directors. There's a lot of successful actors. You know, nobody told Tom Cruise, well, you're not going to be Marlon Brando. What are you doing this for? So, I don't want to be Joe Rogan, but I want to come to the success that he has and that he's, you know, achieved. That's what I would like to get to because I enjoy this. I enjoy this a lot. I enjoy being able to talk to different people, uh, get different takes on things, get different takes on life. I've, I've talked with people that are, you know, Republican. I've talked to people that are Democrat. I've talked to people that are pro-vax, people that are not vax. And I love to be able to talk and get the get the different feedback because I'm not one to judge. I'm, I'm not a judger. I don't think you should think the same way that I do. I think you're entitled to your opinion like anyone else. And because of that, I think it would be, you know, a really good thing if I could continue doing this and grow it and bring it to, to other audience members. No, completely understand that dude. Completely understand that. Well, Wade, I've got some great news for you, dude. You've made it to the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Huzzah, huzzah. Mr. Mike hey. Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $24.08. <laughs> well, I certainly appreciate it. This chair is quite comfortable, Phil. <laughs> well, I think we need to do a redo then on it. Uh, but, uh, no, we are glad that uh, you enjoyed yourself. We're glad to have you with us. For those people who want to find out more about your show, what you're doing, where can they go online? Uh, we'll start with you can go to the YouTubes. All of the video interviews, which, as I said, lately have been pretty much every week, are available on the YouTubes at Crime and the Ensemble Entertainment. Uh, we can be found on Facebook as well, Crime and Entertainment on there. Over on Instagram, crime, the letter N in entertainment, because the other handle was taken and that guy wouldn't give it up. Hmm. And then on the audio side of things, we're on about everything you can imagine, except for Pandora. For whatever reason, they're not wanting to deal with crime and entertainment, but we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on Stitcher, we're on iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Amazon, pretty much about anything that most average people would listen to their podcast on. We're on there. You can follow us, like I said, on the Facebook pages. We put out videos and clips of our interviews each week. So you can kind of get a feel if that's a show you would be interested in or not. We try to drop, you know, two or three a week to advertise that episode and, you know, who we have on. But definitely, you know, go give us a a subscribe on the YouTube. You get notified. Sometimes we drop YouTube only content that we don't put out on the, on the podcast. And sometimes we drop audio content that we don't put out on YouTube. So, you know, subscribe to everything and then you'll get everything. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely have links in our show notes. so People can just click on that and uh, check it out. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you guys. It was a pleasure. I had a blast. Let's take a quick break now and we will be back and we're going to be talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi.
Coming this summer to a podcast near you. Be prepared for the return of... The Jedi. No, the return of... The King. No, the return of... Swamp Thing? You are such an idiot. The return of... Oh, oh, oh. The Monster Sci-Fi Show. Yes, it's coming back and it's about time. The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the Rebel Alliance, part of your complete breakfast, and part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. It's been ten years. The fight is done. We lost. Leave us alone, Ben. When the time comes, he must be trained. Like you trained his father. It's my responsibility. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. I've loved you always. There's a thing that swallows you. It holds you together when it's tearing you apart. Terrifying. The key to hunting Jedi. They're coming. This patience. Jedi are cowards. They failed you. Protecting them. Where is Obi-Wan? The Jedi are all but extinct. The Jedi code is like an itch. You cannot help it. Stay hidden, or we will not survive. You still want Kenobi. He's gone. Where is he? I want every bounty hunter to squeeze him. You can't escape here, Obi-Wan! Hey there, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it is time to go to a galaxy far, far away and to the sandy planet of Tatooine. Let us take a look at Obi-Wan Kenobi. Again? No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Tatooine again? Yes, where you're going back to Tatooine. But we won't stay there for long. Um, So uh, we are reviewing the series Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. And we've got... It's not a movie, but we've got our Star Wars group, one of our Star Wars crew here to join us, Ashley. Ashley's back as well. I think you're just going to stay on the station for the foreseeable future. I might as well. And you know what? I would have been real (laughs) sad if you wouldn't have let me um, talk on the Star Wars episode. You probably would have heard me banging on the outside of the airlock, like, let me in, let me in. So, (laughs) If there's only one purpose for this broadcast, for this podcast in in general, it's to not make Ashley sad. So we are glad to have you. Uh, We also... also have with us the odd man himself chris is with us chris man welcome back to the station thank you um i hope this doesn't turn into the satellite of loathe <laughs> well we'll see about that now um 
Uh, it's been a while since you've been on the show. So, um, but we were talking pre-show, and you were mentioning that uh, you do enjoy Star Wars content, but you wouldn't consider yourself a Star Wars fan. So, I'm kind of curious as to what you feel is the difference there. Okay, so in my opinion, and for whatever that's worth, um, a Star Wars fan is rabid and knows the material inside and out, upways, downways, sideways. You know, everything like. They're the ones that if you misspeak on something, Star Wars, are the first ones in the room to jump up and be like, ah, no. Whereas I'm more of a casual, you know, enjoyer of Star Wars. Like I know a little bit here and there. And when I have a question, I go to my uh, Star Wars fan friends that know way more than me and then let them talk down to me for 20 minutes. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So I think we're covered on, on all ends of the spectrum here. Except, uh, except, uh, hopefully we don't, we've gotten rid of all that, uh, Star Wars toxicity that's in the air, right? As it permeates, it seems like, uh, these days. So hopefully we've, uh, cleared the station of that. I hope JD did his job, uh, in clearing that out before we can discuss, uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so let's talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series. This has been something that's been on the table for quite some time. We've known this was coming. It was going to be a movie. Then it was going to be a series. Then we wondered if it was going to happen at all, et cetera, et cetera. We finally got it that it premiered on May 27th of this year. Um, Ashley, we'll start with you. What were your thoughts going into this series and overall after the final episode was over? Well, I was thrilled that this is a series that we were finally getting. Um, seeing Ewan McGregor return as Obi-Wan has been on my top list of projects that I wanted to see ever since uh, Disney announced that they were purchasing Lucasfilm and going to produce more content. Kind of where I personally land on the prequels, there's some stuff I like about him, some stuff I don't. But one of the standouts for me was Ewan McGregor. I thought he did such a great job inhabiting the younger version of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I thought it would be really fascinating, particularly at this time in his life, to see him take on the role of the character again. So overall, I was pleased with seeing um, this series. I think that Ewan McGregor did a great job showing the tragedy and regret that Obi-Wan has gone through basically after his whole life is been ripped away from him, losing his best friend and the entire Jedi order. There were some things that I would have maybe changed about the series and things that I might've done a little bit differently as I look back on it, but overall it was good to see Obi-Wan again. And um, I'm glad that they're playing around in different parts of the star Wars storyline and live action. Like we all love the original trilogy and it's great to see the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian, but they have a very original trilogy aesthetic. So I'm glad to see that they're going back doing some more prequel based stories and I hope that we get to see more of this uh, type of Star Wars storytelling in the future. Awesome. Chris, what about you? I got to echo some of what Ashley just said. Um, you know, I, I've enjoyed some of the prequel stuff. I've not enjoyed some of the prequel stuff. You know, um, going into this had like no expectations other than the fact that I really enjoyed the Book of Boba Fett uh and the mandalorian or mandalorian season one and 1. 1.5 um that being said there there were some issues that i had even as a casual observer but my stuff like was really minuscule in in relation to the other problems that star wars fans seem to have uh <laughs> 
I like Ewan, McGreg- Ewan McGregor. I liked him as Obi-Wan in the, the prequels. Um, very excited that they chose to focus on uh, his relationship with Leia. Um, and uh, I'm sure it'll come up later, so I don't want to you know shoot the whole wad right now. But um, uh, I liked seeing young, impetuous Leia. And I'll explain why I'm sure later. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, um, and if we haven't said it before, we will be discussing spoilers uh, in this series. We're going to be reviewing everything start to finish. So if you have not watched the series, uh, do so and then come back later and enjoy, hopefully, our discussion. Uh, Mike, what about you? What uh, what were your thoughts going into watching this? Originally, when they first announced it, that Ewan would be coming back as as Obi-Wan, I was thrilled. I was like, okay, this is cool. You know, I couldn't see anyone else playing him at this age. I wouldn't want to see, you know, because it it would either be somebody trying to do a Ewan McGregor, um, you know, imitation or even, you know, an older Alec Guinness imitation, you know. And I didn't want to see that. I wanted to see Ewan. And I was glad, you know, when Disney made the announcement that they were going to go forward with the project. And then for them to announce, you know, Hayden Christensen as, you know, Vader. And I was just like, this could be very interesting because I don't think I've seen him in anything since the prequels. And I was just like, okay, you got my curiosity going. But... I wasn't the biggest fan of Book of Boba Fett, as some of you guys remember. And, you know, there were things I liked about it. And I had a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth with, you know, some of the Star Wars programming at that point. So I think with the first episode, it was it was a very slow burn. But it was like each episode just kept on getting better and better. And... That's one of the things I think I liked about this, that they didn't just jump in headfirst, you know, action adventure. And you had basically a, you know, an Obi-Wan who was like Ashley and Chris had mentioned that, you know, they had, you know, he had survivor's guilt. He was, you know, one of the last Jedi. He was trying to be hiding and protecting Luke from anything he was like almost like a guardian angel hidden from everything but he you know and he couldn't do anything and he you felt the depression on him right from the very beginning when you saw him and it was interesting you know having relatives who survived vietnam i felt a lot of the same thing from them and everything and so it was just very interesting to you know see that with obi-wan i didn't expect it i expected to see the you know the what we got with the alec guinness obi-wan or what we saw in the third movie so so it was really interesting to see this somebody who wasn't even in tune with the force and everything so that was pretty cool yeah um i uh I had mixed feelings going in, um, not on the uh, talent that was involved. I like Ewan McGregor a lot. And as you guys have many pointed out, um, I mean, he makes a great Obi-Wan. Um, and uh, seeing him return in that role is exciting. 
um, certainly watching the Clone Wars animated series made me really appreciate even more so than the prequels, the uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin relationship um, as it played out there. And uh, as good as that was, um, they couldn't really, it, it didn't feel completely resolved in the Clone Wars animated series. And that's because it's resolved supposedly in the prequels, uh, specifically in Revenge of the Sith. Although I felt like that was uh, unsatisfying as well. So um, I did think that there was a little bit on the table that they could play with as far as their relationship. Um, I also was excited that Deborah Chow was involved as a showrunner um, and the main director. I thought she did an incredible job working on the Mandalorian series. And I really look forward to her, what she could do with this one. So um, after watching it, I will say that I was, uh, I was, satisfied overall there were many parts where i was like very excited very cool um there was i do feel it was a bit padded in in at times i do think that maybe this did sometimes look like it was a movie first and then a series later like like oh let's just add like two more three more episodes and uh worth of content and uh and so maybe and that's not that's not a bad thing because i don't think it was produced badly at all um but i did feel like it was kind of padded um it's maybe it's watching all those uh old doctor who serials from the from the old days i really know you become jaded mike come on you know that when they're padding stories out but um in any case um the reluctance I had about the series is something that I think has really opened up a whole can of worms when it comes to Star Wars fandom, toxicity, everything, right? Is, is the fact that are these, are these prequels necessary? Um, is this a case of the, of, of the, the franchise eating its own tail? Um, is it, a, are they, are they taking parts away from the, of, from the series that we love so much? in order to capitalize and make money on, on, on content today. Uh, I have seen every sort of thing uh, labeled at this series, as far as uh, how, how much, how disrespectful it is uh, to uh, the original uh, star Wars movie, a new hope um, and, and everything in between. Um, So, um, and I must admit it is, you know, there, I have to, and Star Wars has helped because they've done more prequels than any other franchise I can think of. And so I have now practice in my head, like there's times where I'm watching something and my brain instantly goes, wait, is this supposed to happen? Does this make sense with what happens later? I don't know if this really gels, if this puzzle piece really fits very well. Um, and then I have to like, kind of go like, let's wait, wait, let's, let's table that feeling and worry about it later and let's enjoy the story as they're telling it, right? Because uh, because that is a, an issue with with prequels in general. You know, are they trying to fit this square peg into a round hole? Right? Is everything going to match up? And no, nothing is ever going to match up. Um, but um, I, well, Ashley, we'll start with you. How do you feel about them doing this in general, like trying to build on all this material that came before things. And yes, some of it's not going to be consistent when it comes to continuity, when it comes to canon, when it comes to these kind of things, right? And how important is that? Yeah, I'm kind of of two minds about it. When I approach a story, I tend not to be as focused on canon and making sure all the little details line up. I'm most interested in how is the character development handled? 
does this story produce an authentic emotional response? But at the same time, I do want it to fit in and feel cohesive as a whole. And I think there are some things with this series that you just kind of have to accept. Like, does it really make sense that Vader and um, Obi-Wan duel several times before their showdown in A New Hope? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I'm still trying to decide how I feel about the Inquisitors as a group overall. They were introduced, of course, in the animated series Rebels and I mean, they look cool. Their lightsabers are amazing, but sometimes it feels weird that you have these sort of quasi-Sith when you had Palpatine's big thing was about the rule of two, him and Vader, but then you had these other Sith who are not quite at the level of Vader, but they were out there doing stuff. And so I'm, I'm still not sure if it all fits super neatly, but again, I did appreciate the emotional moments. I feel like seeing Obi-Wan work through these feelings and arrive at his um, moment of closure at the end was worth it. But yeah, I think this is one where if you try to mash this and the prequels and the original trilogy together, like you said, the pieces don't necessarily all fit and I kind of just have to accept what it is and, and move on. But yeah, that, that is a challenge, especially as they create more and more of these Star Wars stories, which is why, I would like to see them continue to push forward, like go post sequel timeline or like so way far back into the past, like the High Republic series or even like the very first Jedi. And I hope to see that they'll get a little bit braver and push into some of those uncharted territories. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and for the record, it's not just I mean, Star Wars does this a lot and, and I and I run across this a lot with Star Wars, but uh, it's not the only franchise that does this. I'm having the same Definitely. feelings. I'm having the same feelings as I'm watching Strange New Worlds. Uh, so uh, for Star Trek, uh, so um, th- there is that that sort of I don't want to say burden, but it is sort of a dark cloud overhead because you're like my brain is trying to reconcile with this while I'm trying to enjoy a story. Now, Chris, does this bother you at all? Can you just enjoy the stories as a as a sort of non-expert, self-professed non-expert? Is it something that you're just like, eh, I'll just let the other guys worry about that? Well, I want to go back to something that you said um, before you threw it to Ashley. When you asked, is this necessary? Is any story necessary? Okay? And, and I don't know if you saw my face when you said that, but it, it keyed off on me. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, did, um, I get to, did I get to a deeper question here? Yeah, because, okay, so before we got into all of the, the, the prequels and the, the, the requels and, and everything that they did, aren't there something like 200 to 300 different novels that have been published about Star Wars? And the universe as a whole. I think that's a conservative estimate. Yes, <laughs> two to three hundred. Uh, we're talking before we even really got into you know uh, seeing young young Anakin. Um, so here's the thing: uh, were those stories necessary? Who knows? But did the fan base enjoy them? Yes. Now, when it comes to Obi Wan, this was essentially Obi- how Obi Wan got his groove back. Plain and simple. This was uh, exactly like Faber had said. We saw a very depressed and um, downtrodden Obi-Wan who was keeping his head down to stay safe um, and had a lot. I don't know if it was so much survivor's guilt, but there was definitely a lot of guilt because um, he had to, you know, basically strike down his Padawan. And I would imagine for a Jedi, that is a dark day no matter what. Right. Um, I think 
that when it comes to fandoms in general, sometimes turning the brain off and just enjoying the story that's being put forth is the best course of action. Are there things in the Star Wars universe that don't fit now? Yes. But did he? Did we ever really think we'd get this far? Probably not. Um, as far as Obi-Wan as a whole, um, liked the redemption story, because that's essentially what it is, right? It's a redemption story. Um, and when it comes to whether or not it's necessary, that is a very tricky question to answer. Um, but again, there is something like two or 300 different stories that either are or aren't canon now, depending on who you ask. It's the same thing with Marvel. They're pulling from comics that nobody's ever heard of or haven't read and kind of creating their new own new thing. Maybe that's what's going on. And, and Ashley's right. Um, I would like to see them put the Skywalkers to bed and move on into the rest of the universe and tell different stories. I, I take it you agree, Mike. Oh, completely. It's like that story has been it's done. It's okay. You can speak. No, I was I was not trying to talk over Chris because I was just like I wanted to see, you know, the story, but I think we're done with it now. I don't need to see anything more about the Skywalkers. I want to see – there's a whole universe out there. There's so many tales to be told. And, yeah, we're going to get stuff with the Mandalorian still. We're going to get stuff with Boba Fett, and we're going to get Ahsoka, and we're going to get all these other characters. But I want to see original stuff. I want to see – there's amazing stories that could be told about people fighting the rebellion on the other side of the sectors or something. And, you know, they introduced some stuff in Solo, which has not even been touched on. Uh, and, you know, about the criminal underworld that's going on. And I would love to see more stories on that. You know, there's just so many things. I don't need to see anything else. You know, I think the one put off was with this was it became a Leia and Obi-Wan team up. I wasn't expecting it. You know, I thought maybe he was going to rescue Leia and then he'd go do other adventures or something like that. You know, be called into other action or something. I didn't I didn't expect her to be throughout the whole miniseries. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool to see Flea, you know, as, you know, one of the people that uh, kidnapped her. But I think, you know, she the kid was one of the worst runners I've ever seen in my life. And it was just, it was like anyone who was at any kind of, you know, walking skills could have caught her, you know, but it was just like, it just was, it was kind of lame. And, you know, it was cute. I liked, you know, how the kid, the kid was awesome. You know, I, not saying anything about the actress. I thought she was spunky. I could see her growing up to be Carrie Fisher. It, there's no, question there but i just thought it went on too long like you had said it was almost like filler in some parts but i liked a lot of the world building they did about the different planets how people how people had accepted the empire and you know and you know where they were you know secretly 
you know, trying to help the Jedi had the underground and everything. And that was the basis for a lot of the rebellion. It was, it was just really interesting to see, but you saw Obi-Wan grow in this. You saw him to come to terms with it and he had to come to terms and face Vader for him to get out of this funk and everything. And it shows that he did not lie to Luke in a new hope when he said vader killed your father because in you know in the final episode vader even said i killed anakin you know and of course and of course he doesn't lie no of course but <laughs> so we're gonna but take his no no <laughs> vader vader you know he killed the personality of anakin you know it it's like you didn't kill him i did you know i became i sub, i submerged him and i became vader and it was that was a great great moment that was like one of my favorite moments in that episode and the battle between them and that one was just amazing i i loved that you know if i could have gotten a whole series of just the the two of them fighting that would have been awesome in or anything it would have been it would have been pretty damn awesome and it was kind of neat cuz if you saw Vader's costume in the beginning of the storyline, it was more like, sorry, the drawings that you saw for Star Wars that Lucas had come up with pre-Star Wars. It was more, it was more rigid and everything. And then when Obi-Wan destroyed the mask and you saw Vader at the end, it was more the Vader you knew, the costume and his armor and everything. Which was very subtle, but it was really well done. I think for me, um, this felt more like a sequel to the Clone Wars series than a prequel to the movie, to to A New Hope. Um, The 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 Filoni influence on Disney Plus, all their series, is is so. It's just so there. It feels anything that's being done now feels more like a has a Filoni influence than it does a Lucas influence. If anything, it seems like in some ways they're trying to patch over some of the mistakes that they might have felt Uncle George made uh, with, in some of the movies, right? Um, particularly the prequels, um, because they've made the prequels a lot more relevant than the prequels did themselves. Um, uh, bringing up characters, bringing up relationship, bringing up issues, and and actually um, having them pay off in ways that uh, are expected, but yet unexpected. Um, and I think we find that in in this series a lot. Um, but there is a room. I mean, you know, and it can be taken either way. I mean, I think I think when Obi Wan lies, and he does lie to Luke by saying that, you know. Vader killed his father. That's a lie. Now, Vader says it, sure, but that's a lie, too. Because we all know that Obi-Wan's still under there. We see him, we see that payoff later on. I mean, we all know that Anakin's still there. We see him pay that payoff later on in in uh, the last movie, or the Return. I should say the sixth movie. Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah. Um, but, but that said, you know, uh, and you no, know, nobody honestly believes it either. When at the end, when Vader's talking to the Emperor, and he's like, "Oh, I put him that behind me." It's you know, he doesn't mean anything to me anymore. It's like, yeah, right. <laughs> that's yeah, Vader. Vader is a liar. So, um, but that's okay. He's a Sith. He's that's what we expect from them. Um, but uh, but 
but to my point, when when Obi Wan says when he flat out lies to Luke, and then later on, like uh, Luke confronts him about it in Empire, and he says you lied to me. Uh, actually, yeah. Um, uh, uh, sorry, it's in Return of Jedi as well. When when Luke confronts uh, Obi Wan and says you lied to me, and he's like, well, you'll find that everything is true from a certain point of view. That's exactly what this series is. It's true from a certain point of view. Um, you know, all those things that we found or we thought we knew in the, the original trilogy about how uh, the last time they met was when the final confrontation in uh, 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 in the volcanic world uh, is not true. They actually have faced each other prior to that. Um, the idea that Obi-Wan was just sitting on Tatooine for 20 years uh, looking after Luke, again, that didn't happen. Um uh, the, when they face off at the Death Star, Vader says, you know, when, when I left you, I was but a learner. That's, you know, we find out that has more weight to it now. Um, when he when he faces off his son and his son's trying to convert him back to Anakin, to the good side, he says, Obi-Wan once thought the way you do. We never saw that play out in the prequels. So we don't know what he's talking about. So this gives us a little bit of an explanation for what that is. Um, also, the fact that um, the twins are are there and that Obi-Wan is aware of them. Some of the things don't add up. The fact that it seems like Leia doesn't really, she's not familiar with Kenobi uh, in A New Hope. So that's kind of odd. Um, but you know what? As Chris pointed out, that's not going to, th- these aren't going to match up completely. It's okay. It's okay that it doesn't. As long as the story that they're telling is inter- inter- interesting and fun and it brings something to it. And I think that, that Obi-Wan does at the center of this story. And I think you guys have pointed it out. Obi-Wan Ben is dealing with some stuff. He's dealing with, they just lost the war, the war that they thought they'd won. They lost because they were betrayed. And now everything that he grew up to know, to, to knew like the, to know the, the force, the, the Jedi council, the Republic, everything is gone. Um, and he has to deal with that. And there are people out there that still need help. And he's got a job to do protecting this boy. And yet he struggles with whether or not he should help others as well. And it's a real big challenge to him. And it's a true testament to, I think, Ewan McGregor, that we see him as a character go through these conflicts every single episode, every single moment. We He's in conflict the entire time. And as Mike pointed out, he's still building back. He's getting, or I think Chris pointed out, he's getting his groove back, right? Like when he mm-hmm. first starts, he doesn't know how to use a lightsaber again. He has to relearn. But by the episode three, he's like swinging it just as as man as he was during the Clone Wars, at the height of his powers as a general. Well, if you think about it, remember when he, in episode two, when he when Leia was falling, he wasn't even sure that him using the Force was going to be able to save her. Yeah. Luckily, she was little. Yes. (laughs) If she had waited a little bit more, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe we would not have Adelaide at all. Yep. It was just, it was just really interesting. It's like, oh, crud. And it was like, you know, he went to go use a force and you were like, oh, is this going to work or not? It was, it was really, actually really interesting if it was going to do it or not. And, you know, I I enjoyed that, you know, because he was so unsure of himself. Like Mike had, you had just said, you know, he was so 
damaged in these first couple episodes, he had to get his mojo back. And, you know, and then finally, by the time, you know, episode six runs around and he battles Vader, beats Vader, and he's finally come to terms with everything. And that's why he was able to see Qui-Gon at the end. Because he was ready for it. He wasn't ready for it before. He was asking for it, but it was almost like, help me get out of this. He was like, you know, somebody who, you know, I don't want to say this because it's going to cause controversy. But if somebody, you know, is in really bad, bad headspace and they pray to God for some kind of answer or some kind of relief and they don't get an answer and they fall into a deeper depression, that's what was happening to him. Well, and I think, too, and I, I don't mean to jump in here, but I think, too, over the course of these movies and everything else that we've learned, the Jedi are, they don't like needy. And and Obi-Wan was being very needy with trying to reach out to Qui-Gon. Um, you you kind of have to handle your own own stuff is the impression that I've gotten from the Jedi is like you, you, you could reach out and yeah, you know, they might be able to guide you here and there, but really it's, it's about learning to handle your own business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the fact that he's just, you know, at the end, uh, you know, Qui-Gon's like, I was here the whole time. Like I've been right here. Like, you know, I've been you waiting have come to the, you just come yeah. to this, should have come to this spot. I was right, was right here. Um, um, Let's talk about um, some of the other characters that we see, some of the new characters that were introduced. In particular, I'm kind of curious as to everybody feels about Third Sister, played by Moses Ingram. Um, also, uh, a target of some toxicity out, out there. Uh, Ashley, what were your thoughts on the Third Sister? Yeah, I was real disappointed to see, to hear that there was um, some toxic fans that ended up trolling her I have actually, because of so much toxicity in the Star Wars fandom, I have kind of taken a step back from a lot of the online Star Wars communities just because it was becoming too much of a negative space. So I really wasn't aware of the overall reactions to this series until I heard some of the news stories. So I think it is a shame that she's receiving um, unkind um, responses to her performance. I think it's a good performance. She is a great actor and does a good job with the role. I do wish, I think there is more that the writers could have given the third sister to work with. I've mentioned before, I'm not the biggest fan of the inquisitors as a character concept. Um, They're just not necessarily my favorite thing that has been introduced. I love like almost everything else Dave Polonius does, but I don't know that I love the inquisitors. And I think that, they waited a little too long to reveal Reva's backstory. And I think that goes back to what you said about possible padding. Like if this was a movie, I feel like it would have been more streamlined. We would have gotten to Reva's backstory and her motivation sooner, but because it stretched out, I felt like there was a while we just weren't quite sure what was going on with her and the writers weren't giving just a little bit more nuance to give the actress to play with, I think would have gone a long way. And then we come to her final motivation i'm still kind of processing that how i feel about that because she was one of the jedi younglings which i suspected but she's actually been sort of undercover as an inquisitor this whole time just so she can get 
revenge on Darth Vader, but you also have the problem. If she is an inquisitor, presumably she's had to spend years hunting and killing Jedi. So she was kind of okay with this just to get revenge on Vader. And then at the very end, you have her willing to go after and kill an innocent child, which seems like a really twisted thing to do for somebody that watched children get murdered in the Jedi temple just because they were Jedi. So I feel like the pieces with her character don't all connect, which is a shame because I feel like there's so much um, potential there. And I think Moses Ingram could have pulled off whatever they threw at her. So I personally would have thought it, it would have been maybe more interesting to see. She was a youngling at the temple escaped and then she eventually turned to the dark side by choice on her own. So you have some of that has completely rejected the Jedi teachings. I think there, I just think there's different things they could have done with her character. It didn't fully work for me, which is a shame because I think that this could have been a really cool character. Maybe it was too much to try to take on when you have this limited series, when you already have so much going on in depth with Obi-Wan Vader and many other classic characters. Like I felt like Owen and Baru large didn't get enough screen time. So it's almost like they're trying to do too much and too short of a time. So I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, I feel like some parts of that felt just a little bit short for me. Yeah. I, I, I can see that. Um, I think whereas Obi-Wan's journey was handled very well, I do think her journey was a little bit um, shortcutted in a lot of ways. And yeah. in some ways it didn't, uh, it didn't have to be a logical, like there were things that didn't make sense. And granted when, you know, it's funny when, when real life people do things illogically, it's like, well, that's just strange. Yeah. But in, in, a, in, a, in a story, people are like, oh, well, that was just written out of character and that's horrible. And that's, and they blame the writers and all that. And there's a little bit of truth to be, to be told there. And there are certainly a lot of cases where people who are abused become abusers. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see her go through that journey, um, I think is a valid one, but it was not handled probably in the best way it could have been. Um, I think she was fine. Uh, I do think as a, just visually as a setup with Inquisitors, everybody else looks so intimidating and so bizarre and, you know, stereotypically evil, we'll say, that she stood out right away as like, oh, I'm not that way. And I thought, like, that was a mistake. I think they should have made her look a little bit more like, uh, a proper inquisitor and then maybe the struggle that she was going through would have meant more to me um, but I don't know how, how did you feel about uh, the character and, and, and the actress um, Chris so one I want to say I absolutely detested the third sister until about the fifth episode which okay. means that the actress did her job very well <laughs> right? she did she really really did I'm a wrestling fan and uh-huh. one of the, the the main performers that I cannot stand is the Miz. He came from the real world. I know it. I know where you're going. With this. Good okay, good. I hate the Miz because I hate the Miz because he's doing his job. He's he's getting me to hate him, and I hate him for making me hate him. It right. it, it, it makes no logical sense. However, I do, do got to disagree with with both of you. I feel that her story was done fairly well given the truncated timetable that they had um i I totally bought it i totally bought her being a youngling and holding a grudge against the jedi and actually probably wanting to kill the jedi because she put her faith in them she put her trust in them she was told to and then one of them comes in and kills her she probably that's the thing sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but that's the thing like 
she didn't just get killed by the Empire. She didn't get killed by Vader. She got killed by one of her, which, who she thought was one of her own. Someone mm-hmm. was there to save her. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the grudge against Anakin, I get. And and wanting to kill the other Jedi, you know, to to get to that, that ultimate end goal of trying to uh, go after Vader. I totally bought. And the fact that she stood out like a sore thumb, like you said, um, lends to character building even more because she knows she's not one of them. She knows no matter how hard she tries, she will never be one of them. She'll always be gutter trash. Yeah. And they remind her of that on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's fair. I I, I do. I I see how that works. I do see how that works. Mike, what did you feel about um, third sister? Um, Pretty much the same way that Chris did. I thought her storyline was actually a little more thorough than I was expecting it to be. And I hated her through probably the fifth episode and actually was kind of surprised how quickly she turned to attack Vader. I didn't expect that. I thought she was, I thought it would at least take another episode to do. And I thought she would have been more involved with the final battle than you know that i was expecting and truthfully you know for her you know for obi-wan just say a few words to her the you know you know oh they're still good in you or whatever he said you know that you there's a you could get out of this and you can help me get out of here and everything i expected her to totally betray you know Obi-Wan for his confidence and everything. And because that's what she was leading up to throughout the rest of this, you know, story. And, you know, the hatred she showed for Obi-Wan throughout the first five episodes, you know, oh, I, you know, I want to find Kenobi all through, you know, episode one, then kidnapping Leia and, you know, leading to draw him out, episode two. And it was just, you know, I didn't expect her, you know, then to go, oh, okay, yeah, we're we're in this together. Let's, you know, you know, I'll take care of Vader and I'll, you know, whatever. And it, it, it just didn't work for me, that part. But, you know, I liked that how at the end that she couldn't kill Luke, you know, because she had the survivor's guilt. You know this. The, you know I wish somebody would have give shown me mercy and the other other younglings mercy when you know Anakin and the stormtroopers came in to destroy you know the temple and it was it was interesting and you know you know and Obi Wan going what are you going to do now and you know there's a chance we'll see her in one of the other spinoffs or something an older version of her maybe. Or something, you know. So, you know, they set her up way too good to not to do this. The actress was fantastic. She played the character to a T. I thought it was awesome. And I was like, when she killed the Grand Inquisitor in episode two, I think, and, you know, with the lightsaber through the belly, I was just like, what? He no 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 he was in rebels how do you do this no and you know i thought it was very well done and a very good explanation why he was still in rebels and everything but yeah um did i expect it to go down the way it did no i thought she was going to be 
evil until like maybe the last 15 minutes of the show or something, you know, mm. or that or dead. So yeah, I, I really enjoy the scene where Obi-Wan is, is talking to her and appealing to her, not her good side. She's, he's, you know, it's funny. Cause I'm like, you know, on the one hand, it looks like he's trying to bring her to the light, but it's on the other hand, it's like, this is the Obi-Wan that I, I really respect from the Clone Wars. This is the guy that he's a Jedi. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the best Jedi, but he's not one of the most pure Jedi. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why he survives the way a lot of other Jedi don't is because he's willing, because of his master, he's willing to do things that uh, maybe skirt the line, we'll say. And so I get the feeling when he's talking to Third Sister, he's he's not appealing to her uh, to get to, to get her and like we're gonna fight Vader together. No, no, he's on the ship getting out of there while she he leaves her to take care of Vader to try to take care of Vader. He pretty much knows how that's gonna go. Uh, he knows that you know Anakin can beat her like with his eyes closed. Um, uh, so uh, I, I you know I I get the feeling he's just setting her up big time there, um, and I don't think she ever really recognizes it because um, if she did, she'd be pissed off as well and 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 maybe she still is at the end i don't know we'll see um but i love and that kind of kind of leads me into my my one of the things i also love about this series too is because vader in this series is amazing uh the fact that hayden comes back to play him and get in the suit and yet we don't really see his face like only about a couple times is amazing to me that he wants to do this and he's having a lot of fun doing it because we get to see the most violent, the most sadistic, the most powerful Vader that we've ever seen. And that's saying a lot because we've seen Vader in a lot of stuff. And we thought, you know, after uh, Rogue One, that was about like, wow, that's that's a pretty badass Vader. That's nothing compared to what he does in this. I mean, he's killing innocent people. He's torturing people. Uh, he's he takes down a whole starship and rips it open. Like that is impressive. Go ahead, Chris. It it, it was impressive. Oh, it was impressive. But we also saw Ray do that in the last uh, Star Wars movie. You know, so you know it's not like it wasn't anything we hadn't seen before. But it was impressive. Just him tearing it all apart and everything and seeing the other ship on the other side of it. See ya. Exactly. (laughs) No, um, what I was going to say is um, that is one of the the issues that I had with the the limited series. Um, I I only had two real issues. That was one of them. And the other one, like I said, is kind of minuscule. Okay. So Vader's supposed to be strong enough. He's the, the, the biggest badass Sith that is, uh, in the universe. He's strong enough to, like Mike just said, rip a starship out of the sky, bring it back down to the ground and rip it apart. But yet he doesn't know on his own where Obi-Wan is. Like, nah, aren't, aren't the, the, cause he's blind, man. He's blind when it comes yeah. to Obi-Wan. That, that's the stiff blinds you. But, but I mean, didn't, that's, that's, that's apparent throughout the whole series. No, go ahead. Sorry. But didn't third sister, when she was hunting Obi-Wan in the, the, uh, hangar say, I can feel you. Yeah. She can feel him. Well, he can't cause he doesn't, he, he's blind. Okay. All I right. Mean, I, I'm not I mean, I'm just going it. by, I'm just going by what it's, what, 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 
what it shows. But, um, you know, and you can, uh, yeah, we yeah, should he have? Maybe, you know. I mean, certainly by the time we see A New Hope, he's like, I sense the presence of sense I have not felt. So, so we know he can sense him at times. But uh, at least later on. But I think, I mean, there should have been no reason for him to go through that village and torture and kill all those people. He should have gone right to where Obi-Wan was, but he he couldn't. He doesn't, like, he can't, for some reason, that's his blind spot. He can't see him. Um, he can't see what's right in front of him, which I think is just beautiful as far as their relationship. But that's the way I feel about it. But I can see where you can go the other way. Ashley? Yeah, I think that um, uh that is very classic Anakin, like his emotions and the yeah. turmoil he feels just like overwhelms him and prevents him from seeing the truth. I feel like that happens throughout the prequels. And that's one of the things I also liked about the series is that I thought it was a great marriage of seeing Anakin from the prequels and the Clone Wars series and also Darth Vader from A New Hope as you see him kind of merging. I feel like this is definitely an angrier and angstier Vader than we see in A New Hope where he's more settled down. So I thought they did a great job bridging that path. But Vader is one of my favorite Star Wars characters and um, partly because, I mean, he just looks so cool. And also because of his (laughs) eventual redemption arc. And you can see that, like the hints of that through this series. Like when he says, you know, I killed Anakin, it's like, like we said before, he's still in there when he tells the emperor he's over it, like his emotions just drive him so much. And I think that's partly why Obi-Wan was able to beat him too, because he was so emotionally invested in this fight. Whereas Obi-Wan, I feel like was able to let go, draw on the force, find peace and beat him because that was what he needed to do. So we see that in the training scene. Exactly. And um, it was also, I was glad to see that Hayden Christensen felt comfortable enough to come back. I know that the Star Wars community has not always been very kind to Star Wars actors. So, yeah, they've been, it's one thing to not like a performance or a character, but Star Wars fans unfortunately have a history of taking things too far. So I thought, like, it was a nice bit of closure that he felt comfortable enough and enough um, a, a better sense of the Star Wars fandom to come back and play this character again. So I hope, I hope it was a positive experience for him. Yeah, well said. All right. Um, so let's close it out by if, if there's anything else that you want to mention about this series, good or bad, and whether or not you want to see a season two. Um, uh, they've been pretty much on the line, on the fence about like whether or not there's going to be another one. Ewan says he's in. Uh, certainly the the last scene uh, allows as allows for there to be more episodes or more stories with Kenobi. Um, Chris, we'll start with you. What is there anything else you want to say about this series and, and where do you want to see it go from here? If you do. Okay. So two things. One, um, absolutely loved seeing young Leia um, and seeing that impetuous spirit. And it totally makes sense to me now why she fell for Han. Um, after seeing yes. young Leia and how she just she she wasn't necessarily against the role of princess, but she wanted to still be able to go adventure on her own as well. Yeah, it totally makes sense why she fell for Han. Um, and I think that that it wasn't something I I I, I knew I needed, but I I enjoyed seeing it some, for some reason. Um, and then the one thing that 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 my complaint with the series. The lightsabers. 
I don't remember them glowing that much. And, and I know it's a stupid complaint. And again, not a fan of Star Wars, so I'm sure I'll get, uh, 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 or a Star Wars fan, so I'm sure I'll get panned. But there was something about the brightness of the lightsabers that, that irked me. You know, um, we've seen lightsabers in the dark before, and none of them glow or glue, glue, glowed uh, that brightly. And again, stupid complaint. Understand it. Just was a pet peeve of mine. As far as moving forward, I understand that it was supposed to be a limited series, and I worry your are you know yourself and uh, and and other fans are already you know saying that there was there was filler. I worry that if they tried to do a second season, that it would be nothing but filler. Ooh. That doesn't mean I I wouldn't watch it. It it just means I worry that the second season would be nothing but filler. Good point. Good worry, but good concern too. Good concern. Uh, Ashley, what about you? What uh, what? Anything else you want to say about this? And and do you want more? Yeah, I will echo what you said, uh, Chris, about young Leia. I thought she was fantastic. She was absolutely perfect. And um, I love that portrayal. And I thought it honored Carrie Fisher's performance, but also was believable as a young child version of this character. And I definitely want my daughter to cosplay as young Leia at a con in the future. So um, another thing I loved real quick, the droids. I'm always on the lookout for new droid content. I thought Lola was adorable. Going to have to add that to my purchase list. Um, Merchandising. Merchandising. Exactly. called toyetic. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Ned B, the loader droid. I liked him. How we could see bits of his personality in motion, even though he didn't speak. And then finally, as to whether I would like to see more Obi-Wan, I mean, would I complain about seeing Obi-Wan? Uh, Ewan McGregor return as Obi-Wan? No, but there are other projects I would rather see more. Again, I want them to go back to the dawn of the Jedi, dawn of the Sith, like show us how this got started. I would like to see some more, I would like to see Jedi Finn, like if they could bring John Boyega back for a limited series, I'm just going to keep shouting that out into the void until Disney makes my dreams come true. But I would love to see, like pick up on hints for that. And again, that's going forward. So we've met Finn already, but we don't know what his story could be. So I would like to see some of those projects a little more before we return to the same well. I would like to see Grey Order represented in either a limited series or a movie in the future. The ones that, that walk that middle line that yeah. have to. Same. They've done some interesting stuff with that in um, some of the novels. And I would like to see that brought into a wider audience and some live action. Come on. Who doesn't want to see a Jedi hut? <laughs> I would <Yeah>. be intrigued. <laughs> I would love to see a mini series of Thawne. I think that would be awesome. Yes. Oh, I think I think we're getting that. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think, Mike? What What else about this series? I enjoyed it. I agree that some of it was filler, uh, but I enjoyed it for the most. I was never bored watching it. Some there were some eye rolls during it. Um, I enjoyed it much more than I enjoyed Boba Fett, but I also think this 
you know, was characters that we loved. And it was great having Hayden Christensen come back as Vader and James Earl Jones as Vader's voice. And oh, I loved that, when the software that they use is incredible. It, it sounds so good. He sounds so good. And it, it was amazing. Like when he, the helmet was broken and it was partly Hayden Christensen's voice in James Earl Jones's voice going back and forth. That was really just well awesome. That was just awesome. Uh, I can't wait to see people cosplay as a broken Vader. I hope to God we see that at Dragon Con. I would love to see that. I'd, it was just really neat to see, and I enjoyed it a ton. Do I want to see another series, season two? No, I do not. I think the story's done. I think... Obi-Wan is now, he's like given up on just watching over Luke all the time. Now he's going for his training. And so that's how he's going to spend the next 10 years, you know, being old, weird Ben Kenobi in the mountains, you know, (laughs) and, you know, that's leads right into a new hope. And I don't think he has to have any contact at all with Leia or anything because, you know, she needs to forget about him. General Kenobi, you've served my father well, you know, during the clone, you know, and it was like, that's fine. That's perfect. But I also think, you know, I liked it. I'm very impressed with how it ended. Let's end it. Let's move on to different characters. And like I said, after this, Let's walk away from the Skywalker saga. I'm done with it. Let's move on to other characters or other parts of the universe and see what else is out there. You know, because people have suggested, oh, are we going to see a series of Luke training the young Jedis and then Ben turning against them and everything? It's like, no, we don't need to see that. The story's been talked about. We don't need to see what actually happened. So we may. That's, nothing's off the table as far as I'm concerned. We didn't need to see uh, how the plans for the Death Stars were obtained, but they made a whole movie about that. People seem to like it. So, uh, <laughs> so it, you know, I, I, I mean, nothing, nothing is off the table uh, when it comes to what they want to do. Um, but, uh, and, you know, I'll answer the, you know, the, the last question first is, is that, yeah, look, if they, if Ewan says, I want to play uh, Obi-Wan again, um, and, I trust him to not just play, play it to play it. I, I feel like if he's involved, he's going to sign up because he's an executive producer. Of this he's going to look at the script. He's going to be like, this is worth my time or this isn't worth my time. And I feel like if he's, if he says yes and it's worth his time, then I'll say yes. And I'll, I'll work. It'll be worth my time to watch it. So, uh, so as far as that goes, um, the other couple things that I, and I do echo, uh, Mike, the, the James Earl Jones voice, like I said, that what they're doing with that software on, on to young, uh, both visually and audio wise is just top notch. It's just incredible. The scene where they're training was the only way that that would have been better to me. And this is the, like, if you want to do another Obi-Wan series, if, if you want to have my <laughs> like love and appreciation, show me flashbacks to, uh, Anakin and, and, uh, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka fighting clones i will be all over that big time that um uh there are lots of other things that were in the clone wars about obi-wan's story that i wouldn't mind seeing resolved as well uh especially the one of the quote-unquote loves of his life uh that would be kind of interesting to deal with um 
But uh, I can't also uh, let us go without talking uh, or at least mentioning how cool it was to see badass Aunt Beru. Um, so um, oh, she I, was fully, awesome. I fully expect to see cosplaying badass Aunt Beru's uh, out there at Dragon Con and other places because, man, did they take a character that everybody just kind of wrote off as just there and made her into something like, oh, my goodness, she has uh, she has some bite. I like her. Like she she was like one of the true winners to come out of this series big time as a character. So uh, <laughs> that's what's pretty cool. She's not she doesn't just sit around serving uh, blue milk. Um, so uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool. All right. Well, we appreciate your thoughts on it. Um, it was great to talk to you guys about Obi-Wan. Hope you, oh, we may be able to do this again. We'll see if uh, there's another uh, another season. Um, but in the meantime, thanks, guys. And uh, we will be right back to close out the show. We all wound up on Tatooine. That's where we found this boy. Oh, my, my, this here Anakin guy. Maybe Vader someday later. Now he's just a small fry. And he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye. Hey, you know how you don't have any friends? It's fine. The Flopcast will be your friend. Your weird podcast friend. Join us on The Flopcast every week for a silly conversation about cartoons, music, comic books, chickens, and obscure 80s pop culture trivia that no one, literally no one, could possibly care about. Find us at Flopcast.net and on the ESO Network. It'll be our little secret. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the Disney Plus series, Kenobi. So, Kenobi just finished, and I have so many thoughts on this show. First off, I enjoyed this miniseries. To me, it has the same feel as one of the Marvel Comics series or one of the Star Wars novels. It was a self-contained story. It had a good start, a good middle, and a good ending. Lots of action, and I was thrilled we got to see a story that focused on young Leia and Kenobi which I wasn't expecting. I really enjoyed Reva. Her entire story arc was just super sad, but made me very happy in the end to see it have some closure. I also enjoyed seeing some of the other Inquisitors in live action, since I loved Rebels, and it was cool seeing them outside of their cartoon counterparts. I went into this show wanting to see a fun, all-in-case Star Wars story, and I got that. I enjoyed the characters that were created for the show, and I thought they fit well into the Star Wars universe. I am glad most of the show focused on Kenobi's traumatic struggles and kind of PTSD after the Clone Wars, and his path to healing, and how Leia kind of helped with that. It also makes the scene in A New Hope when Leia is comforting Luke after Kenobi dies more impactful since she also knew him. Was I pleasantly surprised by this series? Yes, I was kind of on edge when there were talks about a big fight between Kenobi and Vader, since I wasn't sure how they were going to do it and still have stuff fit into the original films canon-wise, but I thought it went over well, and they did a good job of telling a story that fits well into the original film series. I also really like the character of Haja, and I really hope we see him again in other Star Wars series, like... Could you imagine him interacting with the Mandalorian? I need to see this. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out.
So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank our guests for being here. Chris, thank you so, so much for being here, my friend. No problem. It was a long flight to get to the Earth Station One, um, but uh, I will make it any time you ask. Oh, dude, it's great having you. I loved, you know, I love it when we have differing opinions and different views on the show, and that's what makes this podcast so awesome. And we loved talking to you when you were in the geek seat and then when we were up on your show and it's like it was only natural to have you back up on our show yeah i i I like both you and uh gordon very much uh borderline man crush oh oh i feel i really do anything you want to shout out about sir uh actually yeah so um june 15th uh i started doing a charity drive on uh twitch uh me and a group of video gamers uh and then gamers from all over are trying to raise money for st jude's children's research hospital um we each set a goal of about 200 bucks i'm about 48 percent of the way to my goal we're playing until july 15th every single day streaming for at least an hour a day um if you can you can look me up at twitch.com forward slash cult of odd um but if you see any of your gamer friends that you might have sharing you know links about saint jude that's what we're doing is is we're trying to raise money and for those of you that don't know saint jude is a wonderful charity organization that uh their whole goal is to ensure that uh kids don't have to suffer through cancer um, anymore. They're, they're working towards trying to end childhood cancer. Um, parents don't ever receive a bill from St. Jude. Their, their whole goal is letting the parents focus on the children getting better or going through treatment. So, and any of the research that they, they find, like any of the findings that come from their research, they don't hold on to like uh, most drug companies and, and most of the, the medical industry would. They're freely sharing it because their goal, again, is to end childhood cancer. So That is awesome, man. That is really here. awesome. Here, here. I'm glad you're doing that, Dave. That's pretty awesome. And you want to yeah. tell everyone about your podcast? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, that's right. I do a radio show. It's called The Cult of Odd. We're on Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on tapdetroit.com, or you can find it on any podcasting platform. Just look for The Cult of Odd. Uh, we're also on YouTube. It is, I don't even know how to describe it anymore because it's, it's, it morphs and changes with whatever my attitude is that day. Like, uh, this Friday is definitely going to be a rant fest. So, um, it's, Watch it's out, comedy. Yeah, it's comedy, it's it's education, it's interviews, it's in independent music, it's independent businesses, it's basically just whatever falls out of my head that day. That's understandable, completely. Sir, it was great to have you back. And of course, Ashley, thank you as always. Oh, thank you. I always love chatting with you guys, especially about Star Wars, so thanks for letting me be a part of it. No, not a problem. Anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, I just wanted to give a quick uh, shout out. I went to see a movie in theaters this past weekend that was not science fiction or superheroes. I went to see the uh, new Elvis movie. and Elvis is a superhero. Elvis is a superhero. You know what? True. True enough. True, like costumes, the larger than life persona. Oh, tips are science fiction. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Was of course familiar with Elvis's music, but didn't know as much about his personal life story. So it was really interesting to see that, and of course his 
tragic story, but also the legacy and the impact he has continued to make on the entertainment industry. So have uh, posted my review of that up on the ESO podcast uh, website, but would definitely recommend it. It was a, a good movie and I enjoy going to see it. I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting to because Judy and I also went to go see it on Friday night and it was a ton of fun. It was interesting because, you know, Tom Hanks is usually the goody-goody in most of the movies that he was in. And he played a total scumbag in this one. He is not. Which, yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. Only time I've hated Tom Hanks. Uh, that's because, again, <laughs> he did such a good job that I hated him by the end. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and I, the kid who was playing Elvis was awesome. I, It was believable. And I like how they, at the very end, they switched it out with the actual live version of Elvis singing Unchained Melody. Yeah, that, that was which a nice was touch. Very, it was tons of fun, and I do recommend this one. And it just inched out beating Top Gun, so that was pretty cool too. You know, <laughs> this week, so you know, so it was nice to see you know Tom, you know Tom Hanks being able to beat Tom Cruise, you know Tom versus Tom, <laughs> so. But it it was good. If you get a chance, folks, do go see Elvis. It is great. And visually, it's, you know, it's stunning. It is really, there's some great, and the music is just awesome all the way around. And, you know, like any of the Baz films, it's whitewashed all the way. You know, it's going to be, it's not, if you're a true Elvis aficionado, you might be pulling your hair out somewhat, but you know what? If, if like Ashley, who didn't know about Elvis's history or anything, you probably had a ton of fun with it, which is pretty cool. And I kind of looked at it as I saw the rocket man, um, story about Elton John. Is it always completely 100% historically accurate? No, but is it true to who Elton John is as a performer and artist? Yes. So that's kind of the similar vibe. I oh, got exa- from this. Well, exactly. If you take it all with a grain of salt, like, this i definitely would recommend it and just have fun with it thank you thank you ashley as always and mr mike we made it through another one my friend we did and as always it's my pleasure anything you want to shout out about sir yeah eight years ago i think around this time this year or that year um the very first story novel with uh featuring a character called abraham snow came out called Snowfalls by the award-winning author Bobby Nash. Uh, this has started a uh, franchise that is at least uh, six. I think he's working on the seventh book, as well as uh, ten uh, short stories featuring this character, all around this character. I uh, love this character. I think it's one of the best characters that uh, Bobby has created. It's really fun, exciting. Um, I liked it so much that I joined the snow team, uh, so, uh, about a year ago, actually, um, I became, uh, a, uh, an editor at Ben books so that I could, uh, work specifically on these books in this franchise. So, uh, it's been a fun ride and, uh, there's more, there's a lot more to come. So, uh, but, uh, it's not too late to start at the beginning snowfalls. I think, uh, he's re-released it. Um, but certainly it's available digitally and wherever fine books are sold, um, and, uh, you can get them in a variety of volumes. You can get either just the one story or you can get, um, I think he's got trade collections of all the novels as well as the short stories, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, check it out. Just go to abrahamsnow.com to see all the details. 
Yep. Awesome. And Bobby puts out some great stuff and I'm glad you're, he's involved you and gotten you to help out with it and everything, dude. Yeah. Team Snow's pretty big. Uh, there's uh, uh, guys who do the cover art, of course, Stuart, who does the voice work on the audio novels and all that. And there's just a, a, a few of us here, but we're all very glad to contribute. And, but it's uh, Bobby's, it's Bobby's guy. And, uh, uh, very proud of him. And, and I, I think we're just seeing the beginning of this character. I think, uh, this character's got some legs and I would not be surprised if, uh, we don't see him, uh, in a live action version somehow, some way, someday. That'd be awesome. Bobby Nash's snow. That would be awesome. That would be cool. I would love to see it. Definitely. And Bobby deserves it. He's one of the most hardworking folks out there and he is one of the best marketers. I just wish more people would catch on, but. You know, I said that for most of my friends who are, you know, doing stuff and everything. Um, my shout out real quick. Uh, we watched an amazing documentary over the weekend. And on HBO, they have a, a documentary on the life of George Carlin. And folks, oh, so good. if so you good. have not had a chance to see it, please, please watch this. It's two parts. And it is it's Judd Apatow doing it. And it's just really an amazing story about the life and times of George Carlin, the man he recreated himself five or six times during his career. And he is a legend in the comic industry. And when I say comic industry, I don't mean comic books. I mean, comedians. And he, he, you know, from being a straight man and, or to being on a team with Burns and, you know, it was, you know, to reinventing himself as the hippie and then, you know, the commentator on society. And it's just, it's just awesome to see. And, you know, there's so, you learn so much more about the man and about, you know, who he was and what was behind his thinking and everything. And some very candid interviews with people who knew him and, definitely worth checking out um george garlin was a true legend and was always one of my favorites and i got lucky to see him in concert at least three times so it was pretty cool so definitely I love the voicemails that he left i loved hearing those oh the ones to his second wife yeah yeah that was he he was such a good man and cared for it and you know what he did for his first wife and everything also to help trying to get her straight and, you know, sober and cause she was killing herself. So it was just, it was just really interesting to see, you know, cause you expect him to be the hot hip jive guy and he had some real issues too. You know, he came, he dropped out of school in ninth grade and, you know, cause he had, you know, some really screwed up, background and you know to do to see what you got and it's pr pretty interesting stuff i think uh after watching the series uh you will find that uh, you will respect the man and realize that he's one of the not the most important comedians but one of the most important figures of this century the past century but also how we desperately need someone like that now very much or we so. could have just listened to him yeah yeah because we <laughs> well we because we, we yeah we're still Wishing that we listened to him. You know, I find that, and I'm not trying to get political, and I refuse to do it and, and whatnot, but I, I find when I go back and watch the old comedians like Carlin, Kinnison, and Gallagher, and Robin Williams, it, you just change the names of the presidents and the wars, and it could fit still today, and that's that's frustrating. 
it is frustrating. And you could see his frustration as the years went on. Well, exactly. Even him taking on the moral majority in the 1980s and, you know, everything with that, you know, and I'm not going to quote George because I'll, you know, we'll have to have the explicit tag on our show. But it was just, it's just awesome if you've had any interest in anything. It's on HBO. So definitely if you have a chance to see it, please highly recommend it. And so that's going to, speaking of highly recommending, join us next week. We are going to be looking at a comic artist next week, a true legend, actually. We are going to be looking at Neil Adams, who passed away earlier this year. And, you know, his drawings, his artwork, and his storytelling was just amazing and changed the industry in a lot of ways. And his work with Denny O'Neill on Batman is just pretty awesome. And, you know, his, his work on the Avengers with Roy Thomas, you know, we can go on and on and we will next week and we got a great crew. So we're going to be looking at the life and times of Neil Adams. So it should be kind of fun to do. So please join us then. Of course, we want to hear from you guys as always feedback at earthstation1.com is always a great way to get in contact with us. And as we always like to say, Thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We are powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now TuneIn Radio and Pandora. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, and of course, Mr. Mike Gordon and Ms. Ashley Pauls, and of course, Mr. Chris Dutton, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you here next week on Earth Station One. Folks, weird times we're living in. Hug your loved ones and don't look at them and just say, I love you. Hopefully, they won't, it's not a stranger. So, you know, until then, we'll see you. Peace, and we're done. Ta da! You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping at the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.